Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Reds October podcast, episode 49, the Nino Bon Giovanni edition. I'm your host, Coop, and tonight we have a special guest uh, from. <coughs> And you just heard him right there from ESPN fifteen thirty. <laughs> we got Mo Egger. Mo, yeah, how are you a, doing? What tonight? a professional broadcaster I am, huh? Well, this is the podcast for you if you don't want professional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got a radio show that's kind of along those lines every day. So. <laughs> how are you doing tonight? I'm well, thank you for having me. No problem at all. We also have the sponsor of the podcast, Callie from Cincinnati Sports Gallery. Callie, Callie, let's try that again. How are you doing? Call me Kelly again. See what happens to you. <laughs> uh, so not good. Uh, Branch, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Other than that, <laughs> it was a slip of the tongue. Branch, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, Tom Hanks, 2020. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Phil, how are you doing tonight? Hey, thank you for having me on your program, Coop. Hey, thanks, Phil, for not <clears throat> abandoning us tonight like you have for the last like two months. I don't know what you're talking about. This is my first time on your fine program. <laughs> so why don't we just dive right into the hot fucking stove here? So there's been some reports that the Reds have got some serious interest in Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna, of course, had a breakout year a couple of years ago with the Marlins before he was traded to the Cardinals, where he's had two good seasons. I uh, wouldn't call them great. He had an OPS plus of 107 last year, but... Mo, I wanted to start with you. Marcelo Zuno, what what do you think of his fit with Cincinnati if he, if he were to sign here, and what do you think it would take to sign him? You know, I'm I'm never good at a lot of things, but but in particular, I'm I'm never good, especially in this weird climate where you know it still feels like teams don't want to um, you know participate in free agency. I'm never good at determining you know what a guy's going to get. I'm I'm a little bit better at like after the fact kind of going, okay, this guy got this, the player that he compares to is, you know, getting this, if if that makes sense. So what he's going to get in this climate where you have, you know, teams that are in a position to win, um, you know, not going after guys like Marcelo Zuna, I, I couldn't tell you in, in terms of, in terms of fit, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not wowed. I'm not, I'm not wowed by Marcelo Zuna. Um, you know, qu- quite frankly, for the position that he plays, I'd, I'd be a, a little bit more interested in, in a guy who who bats left. Um, but, you know, I mean, does he represent a slight upgrade from, you know, many of the possibilities the Reds have in the outfield? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Now, I mean, I, I know there's, you know, there's there's some the numbers last year in St. Louis don't wow you. Frankly, the, the, the numbers over the last two years don't really wow you. Um you know, I think his his OPS was I don't I don't have it in front of me, hovering I think maybe slightly below 800 or perhaps right at 800. So I mean I, I'm not I'm not you know doing somersaults if I get the guy who's 26 year old and uh, 26 year old player in Miami two years ago those numbers to me off the top of my head I think were a lot better. But I mean in in terms of fit, um, 
who can you get if, if the idea is to upgrade from what the what the reds have right now if you don't get marcelo zuna if he's not an option if we cross him off the list who's better who's better that's out there um i don't know i don't know the answer to that so yeah i see how big yeah i see how big yeah they're almost the same player to me yeah uh, yeah that's fair nick that's castellanos fair. to yeah. me is the is a bigger upgrade if if you can convince him to come here I know that uh, he's going to have suitor after suitor. Uh, Callie, give us your thoughts. I don't necessarily think that we need Ozuna. I I don't know. I think our outfield's good with Senzel and got Winker out there um, and Aquino. Scott Shepler should be sent off to I don't really care where. He can go, <laughs> Siberia. But, yeah, right. Um, I don't know that I'm – really want to spend the money there. I think that I would rather spend the money more like shortstop. We, we need shortstop or catcher because I think that it's time. I love Tucker, but it's time. That's just not where I would put my money is in Ozuna. Branch, your thoughts on Ozuna and his fit in Cincinnati, if possible. Okay. If the Reds are going to uh, go after a free agent outfielder, not, not trade, free agent outfielder, I'm not real big on Ozuna. Don't really care for him much. I'd rather have Puig back because the ceiling on Puig, if he puts a full year together, is a lot higher than what Azuna can get, even though they are basically the same player. But Puig's potential is higher, if that makes any sense, if you're going to spend money on free agency in the outfield. Um, you know, now trade's a whole different thing. Yeah. So, yeah, the good know. thing about the free agency is you're not, you're not spending uh, prospect capital you're just spending money. And, and, you know, it's easy for me to say it's not my money, but Phil. Frankly, I think that uh, Winker and uh, Irvin in a strict platoon would outperform Ozuna anyway. Uh, and they're already under contract and they're going to be making the minimum so the money can be used elsewhere. Um, and, and Ozuna can only play left field at this point, and he's not very good out there either. So, uh, Yeah. Stick. He, he definitely does not have a very good arm, which is kind of surprising. If if this was 2017 Marcelo Zuna, I'm all over it. I mean, he had a, what was it, a 149 OPS plus. Uh, his slash line was 312, 376, 548. Yeah, that plays. Like we were saying earlier, does the internal options or possible other options outweigh the potential of spending $150 million on, Mar- on Marcelo Zuna. And I think it does because you can, like Phil was saying, you can use that money to upgrade, say shortstop, maybe second base. If you're not going to move Senzel to second or sh- center field, if you're not, if you're going to move Senzel and then catcher as well. Uh, so there's no way that you spend 150 million on. Marcelo no. Zuna. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, he's probably going to be five years, nine or uh, five years, 90. I think is what, uh, one, uh, I can't tell off the top of my head. I think, I think that was one. Ralph. I think five, five years, 90 was just projected. That was Ralph that projected that. Ralph, a.k.a. Yeah. Jim Bowden. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that is, okay. Leather pants. Leather pants, yeah. That was, the, he, he did that on the athletic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've read so many projections on all these guys, I can't really remember <laughs> them off the top of my head. <laughs> now, the, the couple projections that I saw that I'm excited about are D.D. Gregorius and obviously Yasmani Grandel. Uh, so, Mo, the two former Reds farmhands that were traded away, potentially coming back, I, I personally see those as better fits than Ozuna. What is your thoughts on that situation? 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I mean, look, I'm I'm all in favor of, of one guy doing one job as opposed to two guys doing one job. Um, but if the collective production that I can get from Winker and, and Irvin uh, for what it's going to cost can can equal, you know, some reasonable facsimile of what uh, Marcelo Zuna gave the Cardinals the last two years. You know, to, to me, the, the, the biggest zero offensively was was catcher. And to me, you know, you just to me, you go from you're talking about what you have versus what you can replace it with. The gap between Yasmani Grandal and Tucker Barnhart is bigger than the gap between Marcelo Zuna and Winker slash Urban. So I know there's fans who love Tucker. Yeah. He's obviously won a gold glove here. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in, in making up that gap and getting exponentially better at a position where offensively you were almost non-existent last year. So that's a bigger deal to me. Gregorius is interesting because, you know, um, coming off Tommy John surgery and he didn't have an exceptionally good uh, run last year in, in New York, but you know, we've seen the kind of numbers that he can put up. That is certainly more palatable to me than, I think what what Jose Iglesias is going to be asking. Uh, I liked Jose last year, but I, I I find it hard to believe that you're going to get what you're looking for offensively from him. So yeah, I mean, look at you. Can you roll out a platoon of Winker, Irvin, Senzel in center, and Aristides Aquino, and think that that's a, a 90 win outfield? Eh, probably not. But if I'm looking for bang for the buck. I can get it elsewhere, and the guy that leads the conversation for me is Yasmani Grandal just because of the upgrade he represents offensively uh, behind the plate. Uh, I agree, and before anybody gets mad about us talking about moving on from Tucker, Tucker is a great guy. No, this is nothing is personal uh, when, it when we're talking about <laughs> upgrading, uh, but, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. Phil, jump in here with your uh, thoughts on Didi and Grandal. Well, I absolutely want Grenall. Um, it'd be a perfect bridge to uh, uh, Tyler Stevenson. And uh, Didi, I, if we can get him, great. Um, but I would rather pivot and try to make a trade for uh, Corey Seager. Um, <laughs> That's think, asking a lot. I mean, he's way younger. Well, the, the, the rumors are the Dodgers are trying to get uh, uh, Lindor from, the, uh, from Cleveland, which would mean Seager is available. And uh, he's a four-win guy. Uh, he's got what three or four years of uh, team control left. I can't. I think it's it might be four. Yeah, um, and and if you're you're talking Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo right off the top, at least and I would plus, be fine with that. Yeah, and you know, you're talking like you said, a four-win player under control for three more years. Yeah, I'd probably be okay with that too. Yep, I would do that in a second. Um, and I like Didi. Didi'd be fine if as a backup to uh, getting Seager, but I'd be going hard after Seager. Branch. Hey, I'm going to agree with Mo on this, even though, honestly, I love Tucker. I love Casale. I give them all the credit in the world for what the pitching staff did this year. That, you know, pitchers are crazy. Handling them is not easy. And they did a fantastic job. But getting Grandal, I, I really do believe that that opens up the door for Tucker being a trade piece, because there's going to be some clubs that are fine with him behind the plate and his production, especially American League team. And the guaranteed cost. Catcher, like, uh, yeah, he's got and the guaranteed cost. He's got a pretty good contract, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good contract and everything. And, and yeah, like, like I'm not going to say anything bad about Tucker because I absolutely have loved watching him make it to be in, you know, a pretty much an everyday 
MLB baseball player, which when he was coming through the system, we were all like, well, he'll be a backup, which, you know, he's borderline every day, you know, to backup on a really good team. He's a backup on a normal middle of the road team. He's an everyday catcher. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for going after that. Uh, you know, as far as the whole DD thing goes, I like DD. I would like to see <coughs> Red go after the shortstop be a trade a little bit more. I'm not really sold on going after Jacques if the Lindor thing goes, because we're ending up with too many ifs in the situation. I think there's a couple more there's a couple more guys out there we can go after for shortstop through trade that might be okay. That might be really good. Because I'd also like to maybe see him, you know, add like a real second baseman, real center fielder as well, you know. Yeah. Callie, your thoughts? I would really love to see them go for DD. That I loved him. I loved him when he played here before. He's still pretty young. I think, I don't know, the Peraza experiment was not impressive. Now, like, Glacius is a free agent. So um, we need someone at that position. And I think that would be really great. Um, Grandal would be awesome. I love Tucker. I really do. I think he's a great guy. I just don't think that he belongs on our team anymore. I think that he would be a better fit elsewhere. It's really nothing against him. So I would, uh, I don't know, those are the two guys really that I would absolutely put my money into is Grandal and Gregorius. Well, and then when you talk the, about the trade market, you hear the names like Lindor, which is I think is a pipe dream, uh, Mookie Betts, which would might be a little bit more <laughs> it might be a little bit more feasible but it's still a pipe dream where where i would look is say like a mitch hanniger from seattle i know seattle has discussed him before before he broke his balls but he had a fractured <laughs> testicle <laughs> sorry <laughs> but uh I hate when that happens i hate it when that no you, you Callie, you don't even know but i believe it <laughs> But uh, I, I'm interested to see what Nick Crawl and Dick Williams can do from a trade perspective because those top guys like like Phil was saying, Corey Seager, would love to have him. I just don't see the Reds being able to swing a deal like that just because of the prospect capital it would cost, one, and what the Reds have left in their system. I mean, you're talking Lodolo and Green, and then it's a big drop-off. Hey, Look, hey, I don't want to interrupt, but yeah, if, go you ahead. Threw disco, if you threw Disco into that – that that trade going after Seager, that does change it some. But because not I know, much. I well, I know that I know that the the whole thing with Jacques, and there's been a lot of speculation on a straight up Jacques Peterson for Disco trade, straight up. I and I don't see the Dodgers doing that. It, Just it, me honestly, personally, it's not terrible. Oh, know? I would do it in a heartbeat. It's a one year guy for a one year guy for Jacques. I, I would do it in a heartbeat. But I just I just don't see the Dodgers doing that i i would think they would want more well they need starters yeah i mean because they're losing Ru, ryu mm-hmm. however you yeah i just butchered that but unless Rue. they resign Rue. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know i mean the dodgers could go out and sign garrett cole though and that's all a moot point there but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the top end free agents of course we've talked before on here about anthony rendon would love to have him that's that's not happening Garrett Cole is not happening that's that's where we get into the secondary market like again the, the Castillo Castellanos and Marcelo Zuna that kind of thing so uh, Mo do you see the Reds being aggressive trade wise or does the 
the limited farm system hamper them? I see them being aggressive. I mean, the the limited farm system is, you know, more about what how how the other teams value what you have to offer. So I, I can, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to uh, spend haphazardly. I don't think they're going to spend irresponsibly. But I think they're going to throw certainly compared to how they've behaved in recent years. I think they're going to throw caution to the wind in some respects, uh, in, in regard to how they treat what, what they're willing to trade. I, I think, I, I just think there's such a premium on, on getting this team to the postseason that if they have to overpay a little bit, that they're going to be willing to do it. And if they're not, then all this talk of, you know, building a postseason team in 2020 and acting with urgency is, is nothing but hot air. So, you know, I, I, I always tend to think that, and I, I don't think this is just a, a Cincinnati thing. I, ju- I just think, you know, close to home, we tend to to maybe value, you know, what our favorite team's uh, prospects are more than, you know, is reflected by reality around the sport. So I, I don't I don't know, you know, how much let's say Jonathan India, um, is he coveted? Uh, are other teams, you know, calling Dick Williams uh, incessantly saying, hey, we, we want Jonathan India Take what you want that's, that's you know, uh, capable of helping you now off our big league roster. I, I don't know. But I do think they are going to be a, a little bit more willing to deal prospect capital. I mean, you know, I it's it's not the best comparison because there there's certainly changes in the market from eight years ago, and they're not necessarily, you know, uh, the, the top of their list doesn't involve a guy that could be looked at as a staff ace. But to get Matt Latos in 2011, they had to give up three guys who became all-stars, yep. one of whom we're talking about the Reds getting back. Oh, absolutely. Um, and a guy who ended up – ended up pitching for a long time and won games in the world series for the Kansas city Royals. I mean, that, that, that in itself, if, if you want to go back to, to the last time <clears throat> the Reds made a huge splash. And I know the following year they traded uh, for Shin- Shinsu Chu involving another guy that we're maybe mm. hoping the Reds get back. It, it just illustrates what these guys cost. The real impact guys costs. Now with Matt Latos, he was reasonably cheap. There were years of team control. He was 24 years old. I mean, you know, forget the deterred that he turned into. He fit the profile of of of, of what uh, of what they were looking for, and, and maybe maybe they're not looking for that type of guy. Maybe they're willing to take on a one year rental, a guy like ESEL Puig or somebody with a contract like uh, Alex Woods. But um, I I think they're a little bit more willing to do what they did, you know, when Walt Jockety swung that deal, and then in that same offseason traded a guy in Travis Wood who became an All Star. You know, I, they were they were willing to kind of absorb the blow of really, really, really cutting into their farm system. Um, how well-stocked they are in comparison, you would have to ask people who study farm systems a hell of a lot more closely than me. But I, I, I really do think they understand that you can't talk big and then prioritize keeping prospects at the expense of making a deal that could push you closer to playing in October. So I do expect them to be aggressive it comes back to how much teams are willing, you know, to, to take on, on the Reds' prospects and how they value what the Reds are willing to offer. Well, I, I agree wholeheartedly about uh, Jonathan India. Uh, Doug Gray from Reds Minor Leagues, uh, he he moved him down to number six in, in his list of Reds' top, pro, top prospects. Doug, of course, couldn't be on tonight because Pitch Perfect was on TV. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Doug. But, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I, I agree that what you value your – prospects are not necessarily what other teams value them as the reds thought that jonathan india plus was going to get them jt real muto and it just didn't work out uh, right if you if you believe the rumors so you've got to spend 
you got to spend money, you got to spend capital to bring in the talent. I'm going to steal from Casey Stern here, uh, but prospects are cool, parades are cooler. Um, I'm stealing that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's Casey Stern from MLB Network. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he looks like yeah. he's 12 years old with a beard. He does, and he also <laughs> dropped an F bomb on national television. He, he, he looks so like a seventh back. grader. He looks like a seventh grader grew a beard. Shout out to Pete Rose. He is, but uh, but really, when, when when they drew a line in the sand in the Bauer trade, when they were willing to give up, I mean, Quig was a you know half year rental, whatever. But when they were willing to give up from L, and uh, I think they're going <laughs> to see the farm system empty out is not. going to shock me at all they drew a line in the sand saying okay we're going to go for it they went after a top rate pitcher that they're only gonna get for one year and gave up a top prospect for it then you know people in red's world can you know be well he was having a down year well so was the whole stink in minor leagues everybody was having a down year except for the guys at triple a that were bashing the juice ball over the field you know uh i think we a lot will be we're like i would have to say goodbye to hunter green jonathan india Maybe not Stevenson, but that's just because catchers don't move as much, you know. Um, well, and I think the Reds are. We're, in... we're probably going to see that. Yeah, and 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 we're probably going to be shocked by who comes off the major league roster. I honestly believe we're going <clears> to <throat> see a pitcher come off the major league roster. Technically, they kind of have six that could start right now, and there's three that I wouldn't doubt you don't see either one of Disclafani, Molly, or Sims moved, and they've all. Got pluses to them, you know. Well, and I want to. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. You go brought ahead. up something that I it, maybe it's not that important to you guys. Do we know what ball we're playing with next year? Apparently, we uh, don't no. even know what ball we're going to have from a game to game basis. Right. So that, that's a question for Callie. Well, <laughs> I, but, I, I mean, will say that um, the baseballs that I've ordered in the last year are not the same baseballs that I ordered a year before from. From Rawlings, from Costa Rica. All I'm saying is that the baseball is absolutely different. I thought about cutting them open just to find out, but I don't. But you got overhead ball. to worry about there. No, I, I told you that was a question for Callie. <laughs> Phil. Well, but but I mean, like, isn't that a legitimate question? It like, is. What? Yes. What? What? Because we played the regular season with a ball that people believe, if it wasn't intentionally juiced, was at least different and flew out it was at different. rates. Right, it was different. I mean, there have been multiple very credible studies. Mm -hmm. With how tight the laces were, yeah. Right, and then the postseason comes along, and nobody could hit the ball out of the ballpark unless it was Howie Kendrick, who who maybe the Reds want to get to. So I guess what I want to know is, is the postseason ball, the ball we're going to use in the regular season, and then do we make adjustments to these guys who, you know, were productive last year with the old ball? Ball. Like, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I'm being kind of flipping here, but I think it's a legitimate question. Like, but before we before we use last year's numbers um, as a gauge, you know, for which guys we want the Reds to get, can, what ball are we using? No, I it's mean, completely legitimate. I, mean, I think it's a legit question. Because I think we should devote a podcast to figuring out which ball we're going to be using and what the difference is. Well, and like Mo said, there there have been studies where they actually studied the drag on. 2018 Rawlings baseballs versus the 2019 regular season balls. And it was like a significant, not just, you know, a couple little percentage points. It was a significant difference in drag, which leads to the ball flying farther. I asked Dateline to do a little uh, investigation (laughs) on the baseballs and their social media person. Love her. Susan, shout out Susan. uh, 
told me it was boring, but if I did it myself. No, no. You've got to go straight to Keith Morrison with that. Straight to Keith. But really, though, Dateline, Dateline should do an episode devoted to baseball and... Could I be a bigger fan of something? I mean, give me a break. Well, and obviously Dateline is definitely listening to this podcast, so they should be able to hear that. And then... You know what? They might be. You don't know. They like me. <laughs> I didn't click the link tonight, but I think there is a new article about in the postseason they ended up with the older balls. Yeah, I it saw that on the athletic. the athletic. I didn't click the link. I think it was athletic. I didn't click the link. But I, I think I did see that headline. Go subscribe to the athletic and give Mo some money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mo, Mo does a great job. No, great no, job. seriously. Hey, Mo, by the way, your best article this year, that Marty article, going through your life and times when Marty was on, that was that was really good, bro. That was really good. Uh, thank you very I much. I enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you. I, I enjoyed writing about not having a date in high school listening to Marty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was from of, the heart. It was a lot of re- repressed uh, sadness that I've, I've held back for the last 25 years. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Mo, shout out, to, work it. Mo, shout out to Scott High School because I graduated from there too. Oh, so that's why you speak slowly. Yes. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> that might be the best burn on the podcast so far. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we move on to the next topic now that we're done, you know insulting scott high school the astros were apparently caught in the 2017 playoffs stealing signs now stealing signs if if you're sitting there and you can a pitcher's tipping their pitches and you can tell what's coming that's one thing that's just game and chip but when you're talking about using video to determine what pitch is coming and then having a signal which apparently was banging on like the side of the dugout when a breaking pitch was coming that's that takes it to a whole nother level if if you follow john boy on twitter which you should he had a really good breakdown from a game where i forget who from the astros was batting uh but they were pitcher was throwing his pitches catcher was calling are you, he, are you call, still thinking about the balls yes thank you uh so <laughs> catcher would call a change up and then you'd hear on the the feed two banks and then the batter would know that a change up was coming if the pitcher got through his windup, and he didn't hear any bangs. He knew it was a fastball. And that's cheating. I mean, I'm sorry. That's cheating. That's not game and shit. And what happened on that video as soon as as soon as they, the pitcher called the, the catcher out, and they changed the They changed the signs because they knew they knew something was up. And all of a sudden, strikeout. Yeah, it was – it. John Boy did a great job putting that together. He really did. It was, uh, when the White Sox were down there in Houston this year. Go ahead, Branch, with with your thoughts on this. Okay, I will. I've thought about it some, and you know, sign stealing is and tipping. It's kind of an art. I was a catcher, you know, for a long time, and but I never made it to the advanced levels to where I really had to worry about it because I could put down a fastball inside, and that pitcher was going to throw a curveball in the (laughs) third in the opposite batter's box if he freaking wanted to anyway. So it didn't really matter, but. uh, um, I, I, what we're hearing coming out of the Astros camp is everybody does it. They're just picking on us because we're winning. <clears throat> and I'm not going to totally disagree with them, but you can't, y'all got busted. Admit to it or don't, don't admit. They're not going to just, you got busted. Stop doing it. Everybody stop doing it. 
because now MLB is going to have to be all like up in everybody's shit about it. It's going to be annoying because when MLB gets involved in stuff, all of a sudden you got a relief pitcher that has to face three batters. Uh, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what MLB will do. Um, I mean, what what can they do? Take away a draft pick? Uh, Mo, give us your thoughts on the uh, the sign stealing electronically. I mean, this is probably an overly cynical way of looking at this, but I just I just assume everybody's cheating in every sport. And, and I, I know not everybody is. And it's certainly – if I'm a fan of the New York Yankees who were a game away from the World Series that year, if I'm a fan of the L.A. Dodgers who lost that World Series in seven games, if maybe if I'm a fan of an American League West team, you know, I'm, I'm probably more pissed off about this than I am here in Cincinnati. And I, I mean, I, I get it. It's not like the 2017 Reds were stealing signs. You know, this is a, this is a big deal because they won the World Series. And, they've, you know, they've been good for, for quite a while. But – I mean, for, for me, I guess there's there's a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, it, it, it kind of reminds me of steroids in the 90s in that, you know, it, players were doing it. But I, I, this is probably a really stupid question. Is it – do we know what the punishment is supposed to be for something like this? Like, they're not, not going to take away the World Series. I mean, I, you know, I know that's where, what everybody on Twitter wants. They're, they're not going to – Shout out to Louisville basketball. You know, they're not going to take away their – right. They're not going to vacate the World Series. So, okay, so they're going to take away draft picks. I, I certainly understand the importance of draft choices, but, I mean, okay. <laughs> they take away draft picks. They're going to fine them. I heard one baseball writer today, uh, you know, say that, well, you know, a fine in the neighborhood of 2 to $3 million was, was in play. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, whatever it is is probably not going to be enough for the people who love to get mad about these sort of things. But, I'm, I mean, if you're if you're accusing Astros – okay, you cheated, you won the World Series, and now they're going to take away a draft choice that may or may not be a big league ball player one day. I would say it was worth it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so these things, and, and again, you know, to me, if on, a, on a larger scale, if, if, you, asked, if you asked me in, in order of, of importance things that bother me as a baseball fan, is it a team using technology that's available to steal signs when sign stealing is as much is as old as the game itself, or that we have multiple teams that are actively trying to not win, that we have salaries being uh, weighed down, uh, that we have uh, fans kind of being you know uh, told that hey it's it makes sense for us to not try to add good players, and they go along with it. That you have you know teams that are you know in legit contention mode that are actively flirting with trading their best guys or not signing them long term. Like all of that to me is a bigger issue than a team cheating. I'm certainly not condoning it. It's something Manfred, you're going to have to punish them. Um, and, you know, I, but I guess for me, again, in a sport where we have, we have seen um, records get tarnished to the extent that we're not going to put the all time home run leader and one of the greatest pitchers of my lifetime in the hall of fame, I'm, going to get extra mad that a world series might be slightly tainted by a team stealing signs that i kind of assume everything that everybody does i just again i i i have a hard time getting worked up about it i have a hard time really being that interested in it and uh, again you know if this affected my team directly i'd feel maybe a little bit differently but I just kind of assume everybody's cheating, so it doesn't really bother yeah. me that much when I find out that someone actually was cheating. It's like college sports. Everybody cheats if it, by the definition of cheating. Who cares? 
Well, but, and the, the, like the, evo- the evolution of this, and you know, I've, you know, I've, I've read a couple of pieces today where it was like, well, you know, sign stealing has always been a part of this sport, and you know, it's it's kind of a breach of etiquette if you do it, and the sport polices itself. But you know, we kind of understand that everybody does it. You know, you have the guy standing over on second base, and if he you know touches the bill of his helmet, that's telling the hitter a curveball is coming. Well, if it's a breach of etiquette, but still kind of accepted. The, the natural evolution of that is eventually going to get to a point where we use technology to do that. It not, it's not right. And if there are specific rules against using, you know, electronics to, you know, help relay a signal to somebody who then bangs on a garbage can, if there are specific rules against that and you're breaking them, there should be a punishment. Again, I don't know what that punishment is. And I don't know that there's going to be any punishment that makes people happy. But if, if A is an accepted part of a sport, then the next evolution of A that breaks a rule is is going to happen. The next step in that evolution is going to happen. And the next step is, I'm, I'm clumsily explaining this, but it just stands to reason that eventually if something is accepted and there's an easier way to do it, someone's going to do it. And the Astros apparently did. Well, and if you believe the stories, the shot heard around the world, the Bobby Thompson home run, he knew what was coming. Callie, give us your thoughts on uh, electronic side sign stealing. I actually kind of agree with Mo here. I think that everybody probably cheats because if you're not cheating, you are not trying anymore. And I, and I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that they were doing that. So, I mean, it kind of sucks. It's sort of like, Oh man, I was really rooting for you guys back then. Not really this latest series, but in 2017, I was absolutely rooting for the Astros. It, it sucks to hear that they were definitely cheating, but at the same time, like, is that the, worst thing that you could possibly be doing i don't know it just me that much it did it, i i saw the articles and how it was but clearly it, it, they were obviously cheating in, in the nfl we had spygate and people got mad about that because right if you know it was the 2007 patriots if that's the 2007 Bengals, trust me no one cares but it's the patriots but my thought at the time was because I would hear these these football coaches talk about, well, you know, yeah, you kind of look over to the sideline and then you have somebody who's trying to decode what the signs are, and that's why you have two people sending in signals. And I'm going, okay, so, the, so you the, all do, right? people have people have been doing this forever. Whenever you're doing something forever, and an easier way to comes along, easier way to do what you're doing comes along, you're you going take- to take advantage of that. So if you've been trying to steal the sidelines on the other signal, and somebody has the idea, wait a minute, let's film them. Uh, is I, it against the rules? Sure. Should you be punished? Yes. Am I that upset that somebody found a more efficient way to do something that's all, that's no. been done forever? No. No. Not really. There. I think that they're all doing it. I don't. I don't think it's any kind of surprise at all that this is a cheating mechanism. I. I don't think that's a shock whatsoever. I think they're all probably doing different things, but they got caught. Yeah. I'm really disappointed in the red crew at the at the hanging out at the stacks. That they've not been doing this all along, honestly, guys. Come yeah, on. Tony, come on, Tony. Red Ooh, Sunday know, hat. I mean, the Red Sunday hat on. on Fastball. Red Sunday hat off. Change Let it. us win. Put some <laughs> put some lights on that Sunday hat that light up like three for like a change yeah, up and two. Up, yeah. Come on, Tony. Shout out to Tony. <laughs> Phil, have three less beers than actually tell us what's going on in the game. So. Yeah, come on, Tony. <laughs> Phil, Shout give us your Paul. thoughts. So here's the thing. Uh, Shout, Shout out to Polly. Uh, I don't care at all about this at all, even a little bit. Don't care. Do whatever you want. Thanks for uh, that dynamite drop I, in. No, no, but I, I have a wider point. Phil is like a thousand years old, 
and gets beat up by 10,000 year olds. Yes, so Mo, Mo, you're talking to a guy who gets beat up by old men and that. No. <laughs> just the one. I've, okay, I've only been actually beat up men. by one old man. I just get into <laughs> other fights with other old men. And it's just, it's becoming a thing. Phil but cannot stop fighting old men. He can't. Because old people are terrible. Or feels uh, terrible. Anyway, continue with your point. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, but has there been the last three weeks? Uh, the Astros uh, public relations department. Uh, oh yeah, has been that has been an absolute shit show over there. And uh, I mean, this is nothing for them compared this, to what they did. <laughs> I know this. With, it's, it, this is have has a has a team had a worse three weeks like ever. Uh, with this, it's it's been a wild couple of weeks. Losing the World Series, maybe uh, the nineteen nineteen Reds. Yeah, well, nineteen nineteen <laughs> Reds and Penn State. Speaking of the nineteen nineteen Reds, Reds, I need that hat. They won. Anyway, um, Phil, are you done? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Can I ask a question about the cheating thing? Yes, go ahead. Uh, so <clears throat> you're a home plate umpire. Don't you kind of notice after a while that? Somebody's banging on a garbage can that de- multiple times. And doesn't that raise your curiosity whatsoever? Like if it's within earshot of the hitter, it's within earshot of the home plate umpire. At, right. at some point, wouldn't you go, that's interesting. Why, when the Astros are at the plate, is there this weird intermittent banging coming from the home dugout or from the, the Astros dugout? That, that, that It never would occur to you to think that that's odd. That's strange. No. Well, not one it, time. Well, if it's I Joe West, I don't know that we're we're going to get the answer to that question. But but that <laughs> I would wonder that if it's Joe West, he's probably just thinking about his next meal. But <laughs> well, or who he's going to throw. Well, I heard. Or if it's <laughs> Joe West actually put out country songs one time. Joe West is a singer. He has put out country Ooh. songs. That motherfucker can't I, I hear would, shit. He cannot. Hear. I wouldn't be saying. I wouldn't be saying too much against Joe West. Joe West will sue you. So um, <laughs> he has been known to sue podcast people. He has, oh, put, yeah. out, he has put out country songs, and sue he me, obviously Joe. cannot hear. My my uncle this year was he won a. Uh, I don't know how he won this contest, but he was the um, the honorary captain before a game. Uh, this is like in late May, early June, so he got to go out. This was all a part of like GE night, and he doesn't work for GE, so I'm not sure how he stumbled <laughs> into this. But nonetheless, he uh, he he calls me. He goes, "Hey, we have we have tickets to this game. I'm going to be on the field before the game. I'm I'm going to be involved." And he didn't know if he was like delivering the ball or whatever. But I so say he got he got a chance to be there as they exchange lineup cards. So he walks out with David Bell. If you've been to a Reds game, you see him do this. So there's the the four umpires are there. I th- Hell, I think the Reds were playing the Washington Nationals. But but anyway, there. Uh, Joe West was. Uh, I don't. He wasn't behind the plate, but he was there. And my uncle's been you know following baseball for years and years and years and years. And so, Joe West chatted him up. He could not have been friendlier. But at the end of the exchange, Joe says to him, "Hey, I'm going to be at Bobby Mackey's singing later on. <laughs> if you're looking for something to do after the game, and I mean." <laughs> I had plans that night. It was actually UC was playing in the uh, NCAA baseball tournament, so I was going to go out and watch a game. I- I've never like wanted to change my plans more because <laughs> I've heard that he does this. He goes to Bobby Mackey's in the Wilder and he sings. I thought this would be cool as hell to go watch Joe West sing, but I couldn't get anybody to want to go do that. And it, it, 
I'm so now whenever you know Joe West is in town, I'm I'm gonna make a note that I'm gonna go to you know Bobby Mackey's enjoy the ghosts and watch Joe West. Joe, that sounds awesome to me. Joe West singing and, probably and Mo, exercise Mo, the ghosts out there and save yourself a trip. <laughs> The ghosts are now yeah, gone because Joe West. Said. I mean, I, I've been, I've, I've been twice, and I have no real desire to go again, <laughs> unless I can watch Joe. Like, it's not about Bobby Mackey's. If, if Joe West says, you know, I'm singing at, you know, the Blue Note or something, I'm gonna go. I want to watch Joe West. <laughs> Bobby Mackey's. You get there on the right night, and it's an experience. I'll just say that. It uh, is. <laughs> Mo, do you want to stick around for some listener questions? That's the place that's like a portal to hell. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's got the portal from hell. It's got the bull that you can ride, and it's <laughs> well. I'm not going to say what else it has, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, later on we'll discuss Bobby Mackey's. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying you'll see some things. So let's get to the listener questions portion of the show. Uh, earlier today, I sent out a tweet asking for questions using the hashtag "It Burns When I DD." So Mike Dunnan at Reds Nerd asks hashtag it burns when i dd coop kentucky sucks God, we were not even going to talk about that and if the reds sign dd and do nothing else this offseason is a failure i just don't see the reds only making one move and then doing nothing i just don't see it if they did yeah it's a failure but i just don't see it Phil, that wasn't even a question though i mean it had a question mark at the end we reject it it's rejected it's not a question Thank you. But, yeah, I, I agree, though, that if if they only make one signing and they don't make a splash with anything else, yeah, it kind of is a failure. I mean, if you're talking playoffs, signing Didi's not good. only is not putting you in the playoffs. It's just not. I mean, maybe Trevor Bauer can do a little bit better than what he did last year, but that's not getting you in the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about you need 20 more wins. So, anyway. Polly, who is not on tonight, shout out to Polly. He asked a question. He asked hashtag it burns when I DD. What if the Reds miss out on DD and Grandel? Who are your next targets? And be realistic. Hmm. So Mo, you can't get DD or Grandel. Who would you target outside of them for middle infield catcher? My uh, answer to that question is Lane. Um, it's, it's probably somebody that we're not talking about, which frankly has been the MO of this team, you know, for a little while with the exception of Trevor Bauer, because there were rumblings about the Reds interest in him. And, and obviously there was, you know, a lot of conjecture about whether or not they would trade Yassiel Puig. But for the most part, a lot of the things they've done, uh, in terms of player acquisition have been. You know, kind of off the radar. Maybe not. Maybe not as much Sunday Gray because that was that was pretty heavily discussed. But my my guess is that Plan B is not a free agent at either position. Um, I, I'm not sure they're that opposed to the idea of bringing back Tucker Barnhart and Kirkus Alley and you know bringing back those dudes. But then they're going to have to find offensive upgrades elsewhere. But I I, I tend to believe if if those are big big targets for this franchise. You know, and they could always circle back to Rice, not to Rice Iglesias, to a Jose Iglesias. <clears throat> I'm not sure how crazy anybody is about that, but I, I tend to think, you know, somebody mentioned before, you would rather spend money than draft capital and money or a prospect capital and money. Uh, then Plan B would say, okay, we're we're going to have to part with some prospects mm-hmm. to get guys who are, you know, 
capable of helping in the middle infield and certainly adding uh, offensive production from behind the plate. That's a cop out of an answer because it doesn't dive into too many specifics because I'm I'm not I'm not great at, at you know being able to tell you you know which which player they should trade for because I have no idea what the other team is looking for, what they want, what they prioritize. But I just I, I tend to think that Plan B involves maneuvers that we uh, w- would probably be more off of our radar than on. Yeah. Uh, if I were to pick out somebody who's maybe off the radar that I would love for the Reds to get, I don't know if it's feasible, but Whit Merrifield of the Royals, stick him at second base. I could live with Freddie Galvis at short. If in that, in that scenario, I just don't know how motivated the Royals would be to move him. You know, Branch, do you, do you have any backup plans to DD and Grindall? Uh, yeah, you got to find those wins somewhere. So then at that point, if you go via free agency and he's not signed yet, then yeah, you throw the branch truck at Rendon. Um, if you're going to go through trade, then you throw all the prospects at Lindor. And I'm probably thinking way high. I think Mo's probably right that we're not even seeing who's out there that it's possible. Even Phil is correct that, you know, um, getting Seeger might be could be an option uh quite frankly we keep on talking about shortstop and catcher but second base is an issue i mean i, I'm, I think we're all plugging galvis in in our head uh but there's better second basemen out there and second basemen as we know from the scooter thing are kind of cheap you know yeah so, so i if i can't get those two then I look for the wins in one player, if you know what I mean. I got you. Phil. Hi. You don't have any backups? Not really, no. All right, thank you. Uh, Callie, now that you're back, backup plan to DD and Grindall if that falls through. Oh, I don't know that I have one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that they get at least one of the two of them. I don't really have a backup plan. Um, we're gonna have to skip over some of these. We got a lot of questions this week, so we're gonna have to, Burmy. We're gonna have to skip over your Clint Hurdle disease question. But uh, Ryan, who is not on tonight, he asked hashtag It Burns When I DD. How excited will you be when the Reds sign Alex Gordon, Jordy, Jody Mercer, and Austin Romine? Don't even start with that. Yeah, shut up, Ryan. Don't start your shit with me. <laughs> so we have a question from our one Australian fan, Jesse Byrne. Yes. Mo, we've got a listener in Australia, and we are very excited about it. That's awesome. So, I am. So, Jesse. So excited every week for this guy's questions. He's, he's got a couple questions here. He asks, hashtag it burns when I DD. Good day. Australia is currently dealing with some terrible brush, brush fires on the East Coast. So it got me thinking, what's the worst experience you've dealt with in your life? Jesse, coming with the heaviness. Worst experience of your life? Probably probably watching Kentucky lose to Evansville last night. The Spike House. <laughs> Honestly, I could go on for days about the worst experience of my life, but it was probably, huh. I mean, it's probably when, like, a family member died or something. I don't know. I try not to think of the Speaking negative. Speaking of fires, it was when my house burnt. That sucked. <laughs> that that probably One did suck. Time when I was like, it did. I it was, was not like fun. nineteen years old, and I crashed my car going like seventy-eight miles an hour into a creek, and 
obviously I totaled it and had to be towed out of said creek. And to get it out of the creek, they had to cut the car in half while I was in it. That sucked. That's that a bad weird. fucking day right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My, you know what? I was fine. My parents were so fucking mad at me. They were <laughs> big mad at me. They were so pissed. Like it was, There was no humor. There was no, like, grace as in, oh, my God, you're okay. It was, how fucking dare you be so goddamn dumb to crash your car into the creek, you idiot. Shout out to Mark. Sorry. Shout out to bad. Mark. Shout out, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Yes. I appreciate it, Mark. Mark. Mark's going to buy me a new laptop. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, Phil, other than old men beating your ass, what's the uh, worst experience you've dealt with? Uh, junior prom, and we're not going to even talk about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Mo, you can answer if you want. If not, it's okay. We can move on. I respect that. <laughs> have, have you ever woken up in the morning and uh, confronted the day where it involved having to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals for three hours? Ooh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Mo, you know what? You know, I've... Um... <laughs> Times? Yes, I've, I've had to do that. And it yeah. makes you want to do what? Uh, slowly slip a gun into your mouth? or Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I've... You know, I mean, uh, you know, like, you know, going through a, a house closing, pretty miserable. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's uh, signing your uh, life away. B- b- buying, buying, a ca- buying a car is pretty miserable. I've credit been card lucky, fraud. I've been, like, been lucky enough to. $1,000 credit card fraud. I've been lucky enough to go through divorce court. And that's pretty miserable. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would I would say a, a November where the local NFL team hasn't won a game and, uh, it's a large part of your life. Uh, that's that's top of the list stuff yeah. for me. I mean, shout out to Jeremy. He's gone through divorce twice. <laughs> prison we, wasn't a lot of fun. You went to prison, Phil. I, I said I'm not. Oh, I said the, I'm not talking. Oh, about that's oh, oh well. We'll find out later. Uh, <laughs> so our next question comes from Buckeye State Sports at Ohio Sports 19 on Twitter. He asks, hashtag it burns when I DD, which current red is most likely to have Billy Joel as their walk-up music? Hmm. Of course, Billy Joel was announced as the big concert this summer on 9-11. You know, nothing says never forget like Billy Joel. But... Uh, Trevor Bauer. Really? Trevor Bauer? The, uh, I could see it. Um, the I know people's answer... Let's not disparage Billy Joel, please, Okay. Come on. I, I know let's, the, not, let's not connect him with Trevor Bauer. Let's be better than that. <laughs> I know people might I say Joey Votto because he's the oldest, whitest guy on the team, but I'm not going to think Joey Votto is a big Billy Joel guy. Mo, if you had to pick a player who would walk up to Billy Joel, who would you pick? For some reason, the name Kurt Casale comes to mind. Excellent choice. Branch. Uh, you know, honestly, just from the little bit we got to say with uh, – Aquino, I'm gonna say Aquino. Aquino's gonna go uptown girl. Doing, what? What? Wasn't he doing like Sinatra last year too? That I, wrong on that? I honestly, I don't really pay much he attention was, to walk up music. Was doing some that was Todd Fraser up. like five years ago, dude. No, no, Aquino was doing some some different. What you wouldn't expect to be huh. is walk, walk up music. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember I noticed it. So I'm gonna say Aquino. Phil, who's walking up to uh, Billy Joel? 
It was Joey Votto. No. Because he's old. No. No. Anyway. So, but yes. Yeah. So our next question. That was literally my yeah. answer. Yeah. Good job. So our next question comes from. <laughs> next question comes from Wu, who was not on tonight. Uh, he asks, hashtag it burns when I did. Uh, what should the Reds do to relay stolen signs? How creative would you get? I mean, we talked about Tony and the Red Sunday hat lighting up in different colors. Uh, I don't know. Could you stick somebody out there in that uh, like batter's eye thing and and flash like a? I don't know. Just be obvious about it. Set the stacks off and like. Both stacks go off if it's number two, if it's a curveball. One stack goes off if it's number one, it's a fastball. No. Just be fucking blatantly obvious about it and see if everybody picks up on it. Like when you get a new pope. Fastball, like when you get a new pope, <laughs> yeah. you have different color smoke. So like yeah, when you get blue smoke. smoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cannot misread that shit. All right, our next question comes from a guy who was on the podcast. He's our resident uh, Washington Nationals fan. He asks, hashtag it burns when I DD, does anyone know less about any subject than Coop and Star Wars? You know what? <laughs> Star Wars is... I just don't get into Star Wars. So when you all do your little talking about Star Wars and I have no idea what you're talking about, I mean, that's just that's just how it's going to be. I just don't know. Hey, Coop, I, I have no idea about Star Wars either. I, I think Rogue One was the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen because it's the only one I can remember. Mo, how much Star Wars knowledge do you have? So, so the thing about Star Wars is, uh, you know, when when I first saw Star Wars, I was uh, six years old. Uh, we were one of the first family. This is 1983. Well, we had HBO, we had cable. Like I don't, we were like the only people in our neighborhood that had it, and they would show uh, Star Wars almost on loop on HBO. So to me, the movie was quite simple. It was uh, a, a robot, you know, rolling around outer space, blowing up planets. That, I mean, it, the 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 uh, the plot was very very simple. And then I, you know, I saw the, the the second one, which was Empire Strikes Back, and you know, okay, there's there's a little bit more, you know, there are more layers to this. Like the robot is Luke Skywalker's dad, um, and uh, Luke got his hand cut off. Well, okay, you know, again, pretty pretty simple. Then the the third one I saw. In, the theater spoilers though holy yeah the watch the spoilers right and then so they they <laughs> go and they, they what cut off his hand yeah he got and, his hand and cut then off they apparently go to, uh, yeah they, they go uh, to to the planet with the little bears uh and they're 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 trying to defeat these you know the old man who had lightning come out of his hands again all very very simple planet stuff the little bears i'm dying right all very very simple <laughs> stuff for a little kid so then many many years later i'm an adult and they're making the updated movies. And, I mean, 15 minutes in, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and so whenever I hear Star Wars people talk about the complexities of the plot, I am lost, even though I loved these movies as a child. But there is something that I think I know less about than you know Star Wars, and that's professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, because I work with a bunch of people who love professional wrestling. And you got the no holds barred show. I was really in. I was really into when I was a kid. You know, in, in 1987. I mean, the, you know, it was pretty. But now I'm I'm not. I'm 42, and there is like if if I look on Twitter on Monday night, which is when wrestling's on, it's like people are speaking another language, and I, <laughs> I don't care enough 
to like dive into what they're into so I can follow along. I just go away. I, I, I mean, like if, if I go on Twitter on Monday night to see what people are tweeting about Monday night football and it's, it's all these wrestling tweets. I mean, you might as well be tweeting out, uh, you know, calculus for, I, I don't, I don't know how that works, but yeah, I, yeah. Uh, the Star Wars seemed to be so much simpler to me when I was a kid. And now as an adult, I've seen two of the last three movies they've put out. Um, I really don't know what's going on. I've seen bits and pieces of the original three and that's it. And, you know, somebody will say something. Shut I'm, up. No, I'm serious. I mean, I just, I've never seen any of them all the way through. Even uh, on okay. I mean, I've tried sometimes like you, you're sitting at home and like, it comes on like TBS and, you watch like 20 minutes and you're like, eh, I can I put it on something better. Turns out so that next week is less lonely than me. I swear to God, I was 40 years old before I saw the first three. Yeah. So. Actually, and watch them. I, I, I'm like, Mo, I remember the third one when I was a kid. I thought the, the bears in the trees. And honestly, maybe in me, I thought the motorcycles through the trees were cooler. The floaty motorcycles through the trees. The floaty motorcycles. That's all I knew about it. But my kids fucking got into them, and there I had to sit down one day and watch. And they still know how to piss me off by going, "Oh, but Dad, you don't understand the cannon." And I'm like, "Shut the fuck up about the cannon." There's there's <laughs> nothing care. worse than the people they get on like Twitter and like, "Oh, I can't believe they changed this." This is like, and I'm like, "Okay, now, get a life." I'm I'm taking that personally. What? I'm taking Shut that personally. <laughs> get a life, Phil. No. Anyway. Um, okay, next week we are going to spend the entire podcast, and I will answer every single Star Wars question that you can possibly have. Hey, guess and what? Be the, the We're highest, not. It is going to be the highest downloaded episode of this crazy little podcast. No, the highest. What we're going to do. Phil, the highest rated. Time I'll listen to it. Phil, the highest rated episode was the poop cast with Callie and Emily. Anyway. So our next question is, comes from Wu that we're not going to answer. Who really killed Jeffrey Epstein? We're not going to get into that. Aww. Wu then again asked, should Coach Cal have paid his players more so they could have cared and beat Evansville? God damn it, Wu. <laughs> Wu, you should come on the podcast if you're going to ask these questions instead of asking 100 different questions. Uh, Where is he? He said he was sick, but I'm not buying it. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> Shout out, woo! So he's afraid uh, of being on the same podcast with me. So that's what's going on. So our last, oh, our last, me. our last question is going to come from Stephen Offenbaker, the host of the Red Zilt Podcast. Shout out to Steve. Uh, he asked, "This is going to be a personal shot against me. I know it." No, he did have one that was a personal <laughs> shout shot against you, but we're not going to we're not going to ask. So, do you think the oh, Reds okay. will make a major player acquisition before the end of twenty nineteen? Or is mid-January 2020 more realistic? Honestly, I don't know. It all depends on, uh, I mean, we've got the general manager's meetings coming up. We've got uh, the winter meetings coming up, which is around the time of Reds Fest. I know that because that just seems like that news always breaks when I'm walking around Reds Fest with Doug Gray. Shout out to Doug. Uh, Honestly, the winter meetings would be where something would happen, in my opinion. I believe the I believe the trade with the Dodgers was what around like the twentieth of January, something like that. The the Puig trade. So I mean it's possible. December twenty first. No, it was actually before oh, Christmas. There you go. Twenty first of December. Yeah. It, it, it was before Christmas. But uh, the rumors were starting to flow out of the winter meetings. 
And yeah, yeah the winter meetings start up like directly after Red's Fest this year. So. See, that's that's the kind of stuff I nerd out about. Not like you know Star Wars, you know, make believe. Uh, but like the winter meetings, I'll sit there and watch MLB <clears throat> Network like all day with the winter meetings. You know, they're just sitting there oh, talking. Oh, like the Reds making the playoffs, make believe. Yeah, well, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Kelly. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> interesting. It's kind of interesting how that's changed because uh, when we were kids. At least when I was a kid, uh, the winter meetings were kind of this hub of activity. And like, you know, for instance, when when the San Francisco Giants signed Barry Bonds in 1993, the press conference to introduce him occurred at the winter meetings. And this would happen all the time. And now clubs see the value in, wait a minute, let's bring the guy to town. Let's have him at the ballpark. Let's do a photo op. Let's have local media. And so I think in large part for that reason, like you, you don't want to announce your big move at the winter meetings. You want to announce it. In Cincinnati, you know, you, you want to have it, um, you know, have your GM available and your manager available. So I think the groundwork gets laid at uh, winter meetings. But the two biggest kind of uh, uh, trades the Reds have made or, or deals the Reds have, have made this decade, um, we found out the weekend before Christmas. I kind of feel like from a marketing standpoint, I know nobody wants to talk about this. Like they 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 kind of want to be able to push somebody on fans for a couple of months. You know, they don't they don't want their big the centerpiece of their offseason to come to Cincinnati on, you know, February 8th that they want. You know, they want the billboard up. They, they want the, the guy on the website. They want to send out season ticket literature and they want whoever their acquisition is. Now, is that going to be the driving decision behind, you know, the driving force behind whatever decision they make? No, but I, I guarantee you, um, you know. You know, they, they saw the value in having SEL Puig be somebody that people could get excited about for two months. So I, I tend to think that it's going to occur in that period between Reds Fest. And you know what's going to happen at Reds Fest. You'll have the guy that's like, oh, this is all they care about is Reds Fest. They didn't do anything. Like, it, it never works that way. Nobody, Nothing ever really gets done before December 1st. I kind of feel like in that December you know, 15th to 23rd range, something of significance will happen because that's that's typically when it has happened. Matt Latos got traded. I keep bringing him up. But, I mean, that, that got announced, like, on the 18th or 19th. You know, the Puig deal last year was on the Friday night right before Christmas. Um, it, I, I kind of feel like it'll be in, in that, you know, in that general range. I don't think it's going to occur between Christmas and New Year's. And, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll certainly do some things after January 1st, but they want they want a couple of months to be able to push somebody. And so I think there's a degree of urgency to 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 get something done. Now, I think there's also great value in seeing if uh, some guys become more affordable because half the sport decides that they don't want to make their teams better. And perhaps somebody, you know, is, is cheaper to get in early February. But the big fish Whoever that big fish is, or, or uh, you know, fish is, if you will, uh, I, I really, really think um, for a lot of different reasons that they want to have that done with a lot of time to spare, and that doesn't mean waiting until twenty twenty starts. I agree that uh, yeah, and, and, ahead, we're, and we're so not used to not having we're we're so not used to having free agents signings, and, and I think we're all expecting a free agent signing. You know, I like a like a big free agent signing, not. You know what we're used to. Well, and I just, uh, I just wonder if the so free agent market is going to be. We might get it a little sooner. I, I just wonder if the free agent market is going to even recover, like from what what it was last year, where there were so many guys that didn't sign till spring, almost spring training. It just seems like the trade yeah. market is is a lot hotter earlier on, like Mo was saying. 
all those deals that the Reds yeah. made in the I week before we're, Christmas. I think it's been a while. We've been a while to go before we really see who is actually going to be on our team. Yeah. I just I, I I can't I can't help but wonder. I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to this, but um, you know, GMs meet during the winter, and then you know, all the baseball executives meet during the winter meetings, and I just can't help but wonder if there's not going to be some sort of not directive or mandate, but but the the strong suggestion from the people who run this sport. Hey, look. Um, you know, attendance is dropping in, in so many of these major markets. We see the value of an active offseason in uh, in other sports. Um, Dallas Keuchel didn't get signed until the middle of the year and, you know, started games in the National League Division Series. Patrick Corbin was, you know, a guy that the Nationals paid a lot of money to. He paid huge dividends all year long, including, obviously, in the, in the World Series. And I, I just I can't help but, but wonder if there's not going to be a um, – you know, a very strong implication or a very strong, uh, you know, push uh, by the people who run the sport uh, to get teams to be a little bit more active simply for the sake of pushing the sport forward, creating some excitement in some of these markets, creating some talk nationally. It's not good for your sport when as a whole it goes away for four months. And that doesn't happen in the NBA and that doesn't happen in major in, uh, in the NFL. And um, I just I think all this inactivity really, really, you know, perhaps you have to go market by market to look at this. But I mean, you saw it in Cincinnati. There was a spike in baseball interest and, and the Reds improved their team at a level where nobody thought they were going to finish you know, better than fourth. We were the outlier last year. I, I, I just I, I can't help but wonder if if, you know, there's there's not going to be just sort of a belief in the sport that letting free agency kind of leak until February just has so many bad consequences that, you know what, we might have to pick up the pace. We might have to overpay a little bit, but we need more activity in December and January. You need it on an individual basis. So clubs can kind of send a message to their fans, you know, specifically what they're doing. And I just think you got to create conversation around baseball and it's been dead the last couple of years. That's not good. So I, I maybe nothing's going to happen. Maybe the off season this year is going to look similar to the last two years. But I, I just wonder. I wonder if the uh, the powers that be in this sport aren't going to nudge, you know, the, the key decision makers and in, in you know with all these teams to to maybe do something more substantive in uh, December and, and January than instead of you know letting all the action play out in February. Well, and I think one change that's on the pike is going to be the draft pick compensation to players who were given qualifying offers. That's been used as an excuse, it seems, to not sign some of the big-time free agents. I, I just feel like baseball is going to do something about that in the next couple of years where maybe maybe you don't lose such a high draft pick, the sandwich pick, so, you know, the between the first and second round. Or in the Reds' case, I think it would be their third highest pick since they receive revenue sharing, something like that. So that brings us to our last segment, which, Mo, this is going to be a treat for you, the Tom Brennan Memorial Cornhog of the Week. Uh, this is where we this is where we nominate the biggest dick of the week, the biggest asshole of the week, and then we have a Twitter poll, and the the winner gets a prize. Uh, the prize being a picture. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll go around the room here, and Phil, let's start with you. Who's your Tom Brennan Memorial Cornhog of the Week? And Mo, the reason it's that it's the name of it is because he won the first one. I was going to say Tom has never been anything but really, really nice to me. No, I'm I'm sure he's a nice guy, but uh, you know, again, this is this is the people who decided. So okay, <laughs> Phil, right. Phil, who's uh, who's your nominee? I, 
death death is my nominee. no that's not a that's not a real person phil but death has taken doug gray's dog and my friend john wagner's dog this week and so death is my nominee okay that all right uh branch who's your nominee uh, because I used to love them, and now just because they can't handle PR, I hate to blame it on the GM because I know he ain't got nothing to do with it. But I'm gonna go Jeff Lunau because he knew about all this shit, and we're having to talk about video sign stealing and banging on trash cans, and that's just stupid. So we'll go Jeff Lunau. All right, Kelly, who is your nominee for Cornhog of the Week? Clint Hurdle. Oh, he could be a two-time winner. Yeah. Shout out to Clint for retiring. Evergreen nominee. Evergreen nominee. (laughs) Every time that happened to me, it was because nobody wanted to hire me. Weird. Hmm. Amazing. Hmm. Amazing how that works. Mo, do you have a big jerk you want to nominate as the uh, Cornhog of the Week? Boy, that's... I'm I'm trying to rack my brain. Um, Um... I'm stuck on the fact that you guys think Tom Brenneman's a jerk. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, I, I, Tom, I, I, I see what people tweet about him. So I, I get it, but, uh, I'm sure uh, he's a nice guy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's a, he's a, so a guy called my radio show today and, uh, on Mondays we do it. It's, uh, you know, it, uh, during the week, it's, you know, it, it's kind of whatever the hell's going on we talk about. But on, on Mondays, it's a football show. It's me and Tony Pike played, you know, for UC and stuff. So we do a football show out at uh, an establishment in OTR, the Sam Adams Tap Room. And for a variety of reasons on that show, we uh, we don't take a lot of phone calls. And not because we don't like hearing from our audience. It's just, you know, the, uh, we're on remote. The, the show is sold more heavily with more commercials than during the week, whatever. But so we really don't take a lot of phone calls. So this guy calls today and he says, uh, Hey, I listened to your show on Monday. How long is that show? I go, well, it's three hours. He goes, well, how long is a Bengals game? I go three hours. And he goes, do you get the point I'm trying to make? And I said, no, (laughs) he goes, you have this, you know, crappy, miserable team. And then you guys talk about it for three hours. I don't think anybody cares. Now I get that all the time this time of year when the Bengals are bad and it's not true. It's not accurate, but fine. That's how he feels. But then he proceeds to tell me that on this show that we apparently are wasting our breath talking about the Bengals. He wishes we took more phone calls because he believes people want to get stuff off their chest about the Bengals. So I'm confused. You don't like the show because we talk at the Bengals, but you think we should take phone calls because you think people want to get you know, how they feel about the Bengals off their chest. I, I get confused enough by what I say on the air. I get confused enough just, you know, crossing the street. I don't need somebody occupying a chunk of airtime, confusing me, sending me mixed messages that on one hand, you don't think we should talk about the Bengals at all. But on the other hand, you think we should redo our format for the express purpose of letting people call in to complain about the Bengals. Which is it? Do people not care about the Bengals? Or do the people still care about the Bengals so much that we should allow people to call in and yell and scream about them? So that caller, whose name was Bob, that's my jerk of the week. <laughs> Bob, if that's your real and name. And tied for second is the guy who got stuck on the McDonald's sign. Now, that's hilarious, though. <laughs> How do you get stuck? Oh, that was from Middletown. That's how do you do I'm that? Well, how, how, how does that happen? I mean, uh, it, quite frankly, well, I'm not shocked what 
so fucking ever that somebody from Middletown got stuck. But was he related to Kyle Schwarber? They didn't know this yet. You know what? Somebody call Tom and where, find out where, who's related to Kyle Schwarber. Wait a minute. Where's Kyle Schwarber from? He's from Middletown. Oh, okay. Middletown. Oh, okay. I got you. Ohio. So my my nominee for the Cornhog of the Week is real simple. It's John Calipari because you fucking lost to Evansville. <laughs> Thought I'd never hear that one. Wow. <laughs> so how about wrap up this edition of the podcast? Uh, we'll around the room here and get uh, everybody's final thoughts. And let's start with Phil. Phil, what's your final thoughts? Home improvements on I Gotta Go. And and literally Phil just left to go watch Home Improvement. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Callie. Give us your final thoughts. King of the Hill is on Hulu, which is now on your Disney Plus subscription. So set up propane, propane accessories. <laughs> I'm going to hold out as long as I can not to get Disney Plus. Just out of the principle of the thing. Branch, your final thoughts. Uh, happy birthday to Big Red Machine. Burmy, happy, happy birthday. Big Red Twitter. What is he, 17? Is he 17? Uh, no, he's, 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 he's getting in. Uh, I think he's 28, actually. Yeah. But uh, Young yeah, he's a sexy 28. He's like 12. Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's... <laughs> I, I mean, he, if you've never met Burmy, he's a dirty hippie because he's got long hair. But uh, shout out to Burmy. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Mo, you got any final thoughts? Well, I have two. One is for Cali. Uh, Red's Fest will be here in a couple of weeks, and you know what that means. It, it means I, I buy I have something. so much stuff for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, every year I, I show up thinking that I'll get a discount. I never do, but, uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, keep that in mind for the Friday of Reds Fest. And then the other one is, uh, I watched the Evansville UK game and that loss would be a lot more embarrassing if Evansville's men's team was still wearing the women's basketball jerseys. <laughs> do, do you remember that? Oh Back yeah. The oh yeah. The, like the sleeve like... jerseys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, do you remember the opening of Who's the Boss with Tony Danza? And they show him sliding in the home. Evansville used to wear that jersey that he wore in that show open for their men's basketball team. Oh, my and, God. I remember that. Right? So when I think of, like, okay, fine, they lose to Evansville. That didn't happen. I mean, pick, to finish eighth in their league. I, I liked Walter McCarty, so I'm happy for him. But, like, it, it's it would be really embarrassing if in Rupp Arena a team came in wearing softball jerseys and beat the number one team in the country. But at some point, and I don't know when this happened, they, they've started wearing, you know, regular jerseys. And I don't know if they made this change in the 80s. I don't know if they made it in the 90s. I don't know if Chris Mack, when he played at Evansville, wore the, the softball uniforms. But I, I'm just I'm saying that, number one, Evansville should go back to that look. And number two, if, if they do go back to that look and they beat, a, you know, a story program like Kentucky, then that would bring about a lot of shame. Instead, they, they just lost to another group of dudes in tank tops. And that's not nearly <laughs> as embarrassing. I, I wasn't overly mad because one Walter McCarty is one of my favorite all-time Wildcats, so I can't ever be mad at anything he does. But if this had happened in March and not November, I'd be a lot more mad. This isn't Virginia losing to a 16 C, but it's close. Shout um, out Chad Dawson. Shout out to Chad. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Giant Asian Man. Shout out to a couple other people. Uh, so, <laughs> so for my final thoughts is uh, Mo mentioned Reds Fest, and I'll be there. Hopefully, doing another uh, podcast from Reds Fest, maybe with I don't know. The Drunken Jer Reds Fest podcast was a pretty big hit, even though I had to cut like twenty minutes of it because I let a lot of stuff go in the podcast. But he had, he said some things that just sure yeah, did. 
I mean, hey, there was hey, hey, Coop, this is my first Reds Fest, so oh, you gonna you gonna be, be there with us? Be very drunk, old man. Now, yes. Last year, am we... I still sponsoring this bullshit? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, you... if so, then it's going to have to go through me because I am tired of it, Coop. You're tired of it, so uh, you need to have. We'll discuss. Yes. So last year we we recorded right behind Callie's booth, actually. Uh, you sure did. So my if you, mom loves you guys. By yes, the way. we we. I we, do not want to have to polish Mark's balls, but you know. No, that was Rick who buffed the balls, not Mark. Oh, Rick who buffed the balls, not Mark. Okay. Uh, yeah, Callie's mom loved Rick, us Rick because we brought her a present. So it was like a whole lot of vodka. Yes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So if anybody's from the Reds is listening to this, don't search us when we come in because we might have something. I uh, also want to give a shout out to Unc Ram on Twitter at Ram. Shout out to Ram. So for Mo Egger and Phil who left us and uh, Callie and Branch, this is Coop saying we will talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati where the river winds. Across the Mason and the Dixon line.